0: but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joelcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM, and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening, where we have the opportunity to reflect into this ever-popular topic of theology of the body. And if you're out there listening in uh, the countries of Brazil, Italy, England, Spain, um, Australia, We welcome you. It is an honor that you are taking time out of your schedule to uh, listen to us here in this studio in the friendly confines of Chico, California, Northern California, to talk the stuff of Theology of the Body. And I will do so with uh, Ivan Mora and Chris Seibert this evening. So guys, it is great to have you with me this evening. Hey, Joe, thanks for having us back.
1: Thanks for having us back.
0: Okay, so... Let's see here. We are beginning a study on chapter three. So, which means uh, which means that we have concluded our study on um, encountering uh, God who is love in chapter two, which was about distinguishing between true love and counterfeit love. What are we about here in chapter three? Well, a closer examination of body and soul. You know, last week I had the opportunity to talk about uh, the distinctions between. You know, love and lust. We are talking about love making versus lust making. Ultimately, how we are to look at the opposite sex, just not for their sexual values, but for their whole person, which is to appreciate then body and soul. Okay, that we are just not uh, the physical. We are just not the flesh. And in many ways, this is what drives all of theology of the body. You have heard me say in the past that when you talk about theology of the body. Uh, There is another work uh, that comes to us from John Paul II, Love and Responsibility, from which he really engages the question of the body and the soul. Now, we are in Benedict's work, okay, uh, that Christopher West reflects upon, but certainly John Paul II is everywhere in this work, on every page, as he is the father of theology, the body. So with that, guys, I thought what we could do is get going with the beginning of chapter three, which... I believe, starts with
2: excerpt, what, number 16? Yes, Joe, excerpt 16 is, Man is truly himself <clears throat> when his body and soul are intimately united. The challenge of Eros can be said to be truly overcome when this unification is achieved. Amen. You know, guys, I was in uh,
0: Barnes Noble today. And uh, when we talk about religion certainly many people think of not the body, but the spirit, spirituality. I was sitting down in the cafe, I looked over to my right, and I saw a book by Sam Harris, Spirituality Without Religion. Okay, so now we've inverted religion equaling spirituality to spirituality without religion. Collectively, uh, what is under both of those is the need to remove the material, the need to remove the body the need to remove anything that is going to impose itself upon us. We have been witnessing over recent years, guys, this widespread increase in the area of the New Age. A New Age spirituality seems to be uh, running itself out of control these days. Every major city, uh, every major downtown seems to have tapped into the New Age. And it has because collectively... Uh, The New Age spirituality doesn't have anyone imposing upon them. In fact, in Barnes & Noble today, I went over into the section on uh, Christian spirituality and something struck me. The whole section on New Age, it just seems to be expanding. And as that section, that section of bookshelves is expanding on the New Age, it's crowding out the books on Christian spirituality and Christian life. I have talked a great deal on this radio program about What You Feed Grows. Our culture is feeding this idea that when we're going to talk about religion, let's just keep it to the realm of of the spirit. And this is a very dangerous thing. And this is what Theology of the Body wants us to collectively re-examine.
1: Yeah, you know, in my classes at college, uh, very often students might raise their hand and say, You know, I'm not religious, but I'm very spiritual. Mm -hmm. And so I believe this or this. Mm -hmm. And in some ways that sounds more inclusive, right? Mm -hmm. But when you say you're religious, it implies that uh, you follow an authority or a certain code of conduct. But um, I want to read to you this beautiful passage from the Catechism that says, The unity of soul and body is so profound that one has to consider the soul to be the form of the body. It is because of spiritual soul that the body made of matter becomes a living human body. Furthermore, spirit and matter in man are not two natures united, but rather their union forms a single nature. Mm.
0: A person. A person. (laughs) A, a, A human person. So when we say, when we talk about reducing the person to their sexual values or reducing them to the the physical realm, their body, their flesh, what we're doing is we are seeing them no longer as a person, but only something that can satisfy the sexual urge. And again, this is why the body-soul is so important.
2: And an important reflection from theology of the body is that the only proper response to a person is love. And when we look at that person as a collection of body parts, we're not loving, we're using. Mm -hmm. Amen. that spirit demands love that union of spirit and body amen
1: and you know for some people who might be skeptical of the supernatural or an atheist a person may be just a body and that's what we are that uh tell you the body that's referred to as uh, animalism Mm -hmm. on the other hand some other people may take the other extreme and say well we're just a soul the body is bad all this um Desires of the flesh, not good. What's really great about the person is the spirit. And so we will be enlightened or saved once we can read ourselves from this body. That will be angelism. Now, the Christian view of the person, as you mentioned, is not just a body, not just a soul, but a spiritualized body. It's a spirit and a body. Mm-hmm. And you need both to make a person.
0: Amen. John Paul II's language of an incarnate spirit and spiritualized body. His way of of speaking to the unity of body and soul, which ultimately, again, brings us back to the language of theology of the body, guys, because when you talk about theology of the body, you have to speak to uh, the body then as a sacrament, okay? And this is what lies at the heart of it. So John Paul II says, the body, in fact, and only the body, is capable of making visible what is invisible, the spiritual and divine. Essentially, the body has been created to transfer into the visible reality of the world, the mystery hidden from eternity in God, and thus to be a sign of it. In other words, somehow the body enables us to see spiritual realities, even the eternal mystery hidden in God. Guys, we are a very sensual, fleshy religion, Okay, I mean, we intimately encounter God through the action of the Holy Spirit upon what? Signs drawn from the material world. What is seen comes from a place that at once is first
1: unseen. Just like a poet's thoughts become visible in his letters, or a person's emotions become visible through their blushing or Mm -hmm. their tears, so does the body make visible our soul, Mm
2: -hmm. our very being. Or I teach eighth grade students, their body language is always very uh, profound, a slouch. Uh, you know, I'm, my spirit is a little bit bored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a, a furrowed brow. <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, we could go on and on. But yeah, the, the body simply reveals what is present in the spirit.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what we call this is the sacramentality of the body. Um, and we engage one another based upon this sacramentality of the body. And I think this is what, really what John Paul II wants to see in light of this truth. We engage one another. You're a teacher, Chris. You, you see your student. I, I, I taught in that same classroom seven, eight years ago. I, I see that slouch. I see that furrow of the brow. It means that I need to change something up or engage him in a different way. Ivan, if you're sad and you cry, if, you, if you're happy and you giggle, or if you're embarrassed and you blush, I'm going to engage you accordingly. The language of the body communicates something often far better than the spoken word does. So guys, as we talk about the sacramentality of our body and the unity of body and soul, uh, Christopher West draws our attention to uh, the need for the passions of the body to be united to the soul. And that when the passions of the body are detached from the aspirations and governance of the spirit Well, what happens? Eros tends to have a will of its own. It's not concerned with uh, the dignity of the person and truth of love. It is careless. It is mindless. Its aim is gratification. Uh, Ultimately, as Christopher West puts it, Eros uh, seeks only to achieve its goal. And that goal is where the bodily passions tyrannize spiritual faculties insisting on an outlet for pleasure, often relentlessly. Uh, This is what we call uh, the aforementioned animalism, huh? (laughs) It just runs us over like a freight train. Once again, back to my day at Barnes & Noble, guys. Uh, As I was looking through some books, I could not help but notice out of the corner of my eye uh, the latest New York Times bestseller, I think Fifty Shades of Grey was the hit a year or two ago, and now it's Fifty Shades Darker. Um, I know that there was a petition out to get uh, the movie version of Fifty Shades of Grey out from our local movie theater. So I was kind of curious, okay, what is this all about? I, I've heard of it, i read a little bit about it, but I'm going to comb through some of these pages. It is Eros without agape.
2: Without a filter. And Ivan, you mentioned earlier the the principles of animalism and angelism. We are smack dab in the middle of an animalistic culture that denies, well, well enhances the body to the denial of, of the spirit. Everywhere we look, we have this carnality that just seems to come at us. And as you were speaking about people wanting to be more spiritual, not really realizing that what that means, I think it's a, it's a knee-jerk reaction against this carnality and this constant barrage of Flesh, oh, yes. <laughs> That's everywhere, you know, whether you're walking down the street or you go online and you can't avoid it. It's, you know, it's everywhere. Even if you're trying to avoid it, you can't avoid it.
0: Well, and Benedict the Sixteenth puts it so beautifully and succinctly here, huh? He says, should he aspire to be pure spirit and to reject the flesh as pertaining to his animal nature alone? Then spirit and body would both lose their dignity. On the other hand, should he deny the spirit and consider matter the body as the only reality, he would likewise lose his greatness. I think, Chris, it goes back to the aforementioned proverb, "Huh, what you feed crows. The more you spend time with the material good, the more you spend time with uh, accentuating the flesh and what you wear and how you dress and all these things, mm-hmm. and that knee-jerk reaction is, it's our nature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's our nature responding to what we have been feeding. Conversely, if we are on bended knee, doing all the things we need to do uh, to build up the spiritual life in the same way we might build up our our bodies, then what's going to happen? We're going to desire the stuff of the Spirit all the more. And there's a balance. There's a balance. But certainly uh, right now, today, in in today's culture, what's being communicated is an imbalance.
1: Speaking about that imbalance, there seems to be a separation between the desires of the flesh and the aspirations of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Something in us we know deep inside wants everything that is good, that is true, that is beautiful. But then yet there's another side of us that gravitates towards evil passions. And this is the reason why we have eating disorders and addictions. It reminds me of that scripture of St. Paul where he says, I don't understand my actions because Mm -hmm. the very things that I want to do, I don't do, but the things that I that I don't want to do, are the ones that I do. Mm-hmm. And so there seems to be a conflict between the, the, the soul and, and the body. And this, this harmony is not in our nature, but it's the consequence of original sin, which mm-hmm. we have spoken before in mm-hmm. previous programs. And so how do we unite, reunite this soul and body so that we can experience our, our whole being the way it's meant to be?
2: And I think we live in a time, I wish I remembered the saint who said this, but we are very quick to make a martyr of our spirit for the desires of our flesh. We are very slow to mm-hmm. make a martyr of our flesh for the desires oh, of yes. our spirit. Mm-hmm. And isn't that revealing? By bending the knee, our, our bodies are harmonizing with the desires of our spirit in, in an actuality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's a, that's a great metaphor for us in in talking about
1: these things. And we have to remember that as Christians, we don't strive to repress our desires of our flesh. We don't strive to feed only the spirit. We want an integration of both body and soul, Mm -hmm. which is made possible not through a thing, not through a 12-step process, but through a person Mm -hmm. because of Christ. Mm -hmm. Christ is like the healer. Mm -hmm. He comes and heals that rupture, that rift, That happen between body and soul, and when the closer we are to this integration of body and soul, the more we experience these desires, these bodily desires, the way they're meant to be,
2: Mm -hmm. the way they're meant to be, with you know eros needing the governance Mm -hmm. of agape.
1: Right.
0: Yeah, Chris, you were talking there about going on bended knee. Our posture communicates something in everything that we do. So often. Our body, we were talking about body communicating something, the spirit communicating something. Our body is communicating something. And I'm just not talking about what we wear, but in everything that we do, as we've discussed. And so, to put this in the context of how we've come to worship sex versus how we are made to worship God, what is our posture day in and day out? If we are feeding the soul, we will quickly begin to see that the posture in and through the body, is going to communicate something that is now attractive to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And this is very important, is uh, very important. And integration is a key word, is a key word, because it is agape that integrates mm-hmm. eros, purifies it, cleanses it. It's not bad. Again, that's a heresy. Right. Yes, In Manichaeism, it is a heresy. Manichaeism looks at the body as a bad thing. The body belongs to the material world, therefore it is evil, you know, the teacher Manichaeus says. This is a heresy that was refuted in the early church. And so the church looks at Jesus Christ, as you were talking there, Ivan, uh, fully human, Mm -hmm. fully divine, so that we might better come to understand how we are made to be a better version of ourselves in light of Christ who gives the better vision of man. I believe Christopher West puts it very well when he says uh, that Christianity doesn't demonize the body as it is commonly claimed. Demons demonize the body, and then they blame the bride of Christ for their own dirty work. Christianity divinizes the human body. And this, again, brings us back to 2 Peter 1.4 and how we are called to share in this great Christological vision of sharing our humanity with Christ's divinity. And that's where sanctity
2: and holiness abides. As Christopher West states, Joe, authentic Christian spirituality has never lived at the expense of the body Mm -hmm. or in juxtaposition to it. Christian spirituality is always Mm incarnational. Incarnational. I mean, the incarnation is right there at the very of our
1: faith and there's still a lot of people who might feel the need to repress or or avoid the body uh music through dancing through all these beautiful joys that god wants us to experience they put them to the side because they're afraid that that will somehow interfere with with their ability to to find salvation Mm -hmm. but and they call that holiness Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but this is not holiness and christopher west mentions that on, on his book Uh, Through holiness is an integration of body and soul. Mm -hmm. And theology of the body can help us to heal those wounds uh, left from Puritanism Mm -hmm. and and fake Christianity where, oh, you had to repress everything that you feel, your desires for love, for intimacy. They are bad. All all of that leaves these wounds. So what happens for a person who's grown in a family where they believe that, eventually... If they get a chance, they will go to the other extreme. Yep. Yep. And we've seen that. What happens for many, many years when you live that way? You get a, you get a whole revolution mm-hmm. the sexual revolution.
2: And the perfect example of that is, is brought up in Christopher West's writings here. Um, one, Hugh Hefner, who we know has revolutionized uh, our culture, uh, has made it much more permissive, more uh, carnal, more. <laughs> Uh, tending towards the the stuff of the body, um, he says himself in an interview. Um, this is Hugh Hefner. Says, this is Hugh Hefner yeah, saying yeah. this. He says his his childhood was very much one in which he did not feel affection. There was not, uh, you know, uh, physical affection in his mm-hmm. that he yearned for. He yearned yeah. for it. And he says to his mom, "When I talk about the hurt and hypocrisy in some of our values, our sexual values." It comes from the fact that I didn't get hugged a lot as a kid. So, this man starts a revolution with his magazine uh, and has affected, you know, just about everybody walking around billions, in our society today. Billions of people. And it's basically because of this kind of puritanism, this angelism that mm-hmm. he experienced in his own home that led him to yearn for something more.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Gosh, what does that address, Chris? That interview. It's so striking that a man like that of Hugh Hefner would speak so openly of his own brokenness. I mean, the manifestation of some of the gravest evils we know stems from brokenness. If you were to look at some of these uh, disorders, we want to put uh, medication next to them to fix them. And certainly they may help them in their chemistry But if you want to get to the source of the problem, if you want to go to the core of the issue, then go to the brokenness, go to the absence of love, and try to restore that in Christ. If if you want to fix the world today, prescription drugs may help, but it will never solve the problem. Only Christ, who has redeemed us in His blood and restores us in and through forgiveness and reconciliation, can ultimately make us whole again. And oh, the power of touch, the power of physical touch. Again, the sacramentality of the body. When a father or a mother reaches out to hug, to kiss their child, they are communicating a deeper reality. And that deeper reality is from the bottom of my soul. I love you.
1: I remember reading an article about patients in a hospital who had been in bed for a long long time, and uh, they brought um, dogs to the, mm. to the to the rooms and allow these patients to interact with the dogs and, and touch and pat them and the dogs will you know touch them back and it was this very friendly which this encounter actually helped the patients to heal faster and better mm-hmm. than those who were not exposed to to the touch. Mm. So it's just incredible how how. Mason can help us.
2: Yeah, and it's interesting how we're talking about our sexuality, but so many um, just the physical part of our being comes to mind because I'm I'm picturing in my mind a beautiful reflection on what you just said in a uh, documentary about Mother Teresa, Mm. where there's this baby, an orphan in the middle of a war zone, and it's literally convulsing, you know, without any control over its physical body is probably about three or maybe boy about three or four. Mother Teresa simply goes directly to him and hugs, embraces, and starts wiping his his face very lovingly. Mm. And you see his whole, his body calms. Mm. Guess what else is calming? His spirit is feeling touch maybe for yeah. the first time. Who knows in his life maybe. He's an orphan yeah. in a war-torn uh, village. That always leads me to understand this integration and the importance. Of
0: it. Yeah, and Mother Teresa was disposed to see that little one and how the embrace, the hug, the, the caressing uh, would impact him. Um, that's a striking, striking story, beautiful story. Um, and you know, Mother Teresa is, is one who certainly had a, a harmony going on uh, between body and soul there is obviously a healthy integration. And I suppose on a level, it should challenge all of us that we should see how the body's to complement the soul and the soul to complement the body. And I'm thinking now maybe of uh, the person struggling with eros, the sexual urge, right? How do you overcome that? Okay, self-mastery, renunciation, that's fun, Joe, that's fine, but I need to do something else. Well, yeah, go work out, go run, play racquetball, play Play basketball. Or go for a workout. It's therapeutic to the soul, literally speaking. And we need to be mindful of that. Now, you were talking earlier about, uh, Ivan, you were talking earlier about the harmony between body and soul. And I was made to think about the cardinal virtue of temperance. The lone time we see it in Scripture is when Paul is talking about that inner harmony. Okay, In everything that we do, in everything that we touch, there's an ha- there is a harmony between body and soul, that we are developing both body and soul. And so there's an order to our life. Amen.
1: Yeah, and this this is why heaven is going to be so incredible, where this union between body and soul will be totally and perfectly healed. Mm -hmm. We will completely be united with our souls. Mm -hmm. A lot of people forget this part. We forget that our our bodies will be resurrected Mm -hmm. and become one with our souls.
2: Yeah, very common I know Chris you were sharing yeah I mentioned today uh, we had a discussion about um, we were watching Father Barron's uh, Catholicism series and we were looking at the one about heaven hell and purgatory the last things Mm -hmm. and of course we're talking about what are we in heaven and I said are we are we spirits do we just are we just you know spirits kind of floating around and all the kids say yep that's it Mm -hmm. and we had to go to the to the Creed yeah and to stop at the resurrection of the body and think okay we're not talking about jesus we already talked about jesus's resurrection at the very beginning that's yeah. of prime importance that's us that's our bodies coming back together with our souls and being a transfigured body a, a resurrected body in heaven
0: you know that's why the saints are the saints you know they understand this relationship between the body and the soul and they clothe themselves with purity uh, we look upon uh, our brother or sister in Christ who strives towards holiness, and and uh, we want to be around them because they light us up, literally speaking, with their glow of fervor, and uh, they struggle in grace, but they embrace purity and they point us to heaven.
1: Well, that's the good news of theology of the body that we don't have to wait until heaven to experience this integration of body and soul. We can start living heaven right here, not completely perfectly. Uh, will never be perfect while we're here but we can come closer and closer as we are redeemed by jesus christ the redemption of the body
2: mm-hmm. and what i'm struck by joe is what you feed grows if the body is allowed to feed the spirit and then the spirit is allowed to feed the body both grow and mm-hmm. holiness
1: mm-hmm.
0: well amen to that to chris and that would be a good point for closure. Uh, Great program, guys. This certainly gets this chapter going. Looking forward to the next time together. Let us close with a word of prayer in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you.